0: Hey, today we have a privilege, uh, a dear friend of mine, again, they spoke at the, the uh, marriage conference yesterday, and and I told them yesterday, but for some of you that weren't there, I met uh, Brian and Jesse in 2009 out in Seattle, Washington, found out they were living and pastoring out of Owensboro, Kentucky, and just became great friends over that time, grateful for them and what they do. They, Brian serves as one of our overseers of our church, and that's some of the outside ministers that bring accountability to me and help keep me in line, that uh, speak into my life. If I'm doing anything that they don't think is right, then they have a right to say so and shoot straight. If my marriage is in trouble or I'm not showing right attention to my wife, I mean, they serve as a valuable place here for our church and our church body, overseeing what we're doing, so I'm thankful for him in that capacity and just his friendship. So would you do me the privilege of giving him a warm welcome this morning? Come on, welcome Pastor Brian Gibson. Yes, sir. Thank you, Love you. Come on, let's give Jesus a big hand clap this morning. Can we do that? He's worthy of all the glory, all the honor. And all the praise. We love you, Lord Jesus. It's an honor to be in your house. Father, I pray now that you would begin to move, you would begin to speak, you would save, heal, and deliver. I thank you for this church. I thank you for Crossroads. I thank you for their heart, for their spirit, and for their prophetic purpose in the region. Lord, we thank you for their pastors and their leaders. We pray that you would bless them, that you would grow this house. I believe that this is only a first fruit, and the best is yet to come. Come on, let's give him one more hand clap in the house this morning it's an honor to be here with you go ahead and turn to your neighbor tell them this say you're lucky you got to sit by me today just tell them that huh they're lucky they got to hang out with you you could look at your other neighbor and tell them you look like you've lost 20 pounds tell them that huh all right they'll come back next week you tell me I'm thinner I'm coming back next week I'm I'm resigning my church and I'll be back all right that's it. But we can really say that at the end of January because we've been fasting. Amen. But uh, it's good to see you. It's an honor to be here. I love this church. I, I love your pastors. I remember we were sitting out in Seattle back in 09, and Jesse and I were sitting up front, and I'm like, Jesse, look at these people behind us. I'm like, these people are like from the land of giants. They're Nephilim or something from the book of Genesis. I'm like, look at them. I'm genetic garbage compared to these people, you know? and uh, we were having this discussion we turned around and we, we meet him we're like where are you from? And he's like I'm from 45 I'm 45 minutes from Evansville and I'm like I'm 45 minutes from Evansville and it's funny that you could go to the other side of the country and you could meet somebody that's your next door neighbor that you need to learn and such is the providence of God. Somebody say amen and I'll tell you I love your pastor, I love his wife, I love their family and uh, it's an honor to, to be a friend to him and he's a friend to me. Uh, he's spoken into my life and he helps me just like I help him. I too, I have a group of men that I'm accountable to for my actions, for my behavior, for the way I'm taking care of my family, every area of my life. And uh, Pastor Chad is one of those guys, and I'm telling you, he's one of the most pure hearted men that I know in the nation, and it's an honor to have him leading Crossroads Church. Somebody ought to give your pastor a big hand clap. I love you, man. It's an honor to be here. And I'll tell you, I'm already ministered to in the worship. The worship team was incredible, and uh, the presence of God was here. And it was good enough when they were done, we could have said amen and just went on to the Chinese buffet down the road, right? But we're here, and I'm here, so I, I better I better teach this morning. It was an honor talking about marriage yesterday. Uh, Jessie and I had a, had a blast, and she sends her love. She went home to preach at our church and to take care of business. And I, I love the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I'm really, I, I'm a church man, I'm a church guy. I love the church. There's nothing else like the church. And I saw what what I thought, I've seen a lot of miracles throughout the years. I've seen a lot of healings. I've seen divine words, prophecies come to pass, words of wisdom, words of knowledge. I've seen demons cast out of people. I've seen blind eyes open, deaf ears hear again. I've seen all that. But I'll tell you, I felt like I saw one of the greatest answers to prayer. And one of the greatest miracles that I've ever seen this year at our church. And the church that I pastor, it's been going for about 12 years now. Uh, My wife and I, we went to a town where we didn't know anybody. We had nothing but a Bible and we planted a church and we started preaching in a pizza shop that was also a heavy metal venue. And then uh, we were ministering to kids that were coming to that place and they were getting saved and they were getting filled with the spirit and their lives were getting changed. And then we upgraded from a heavy metal venue and we started preaching in a bar. So my ministry started very classy. It was a classy place. You know, it's where the mayor, came and everything like that and uh, just kidding but um There was a lady, her her daughters uh, were ministered to, and she started coming to our church. And whenever I would do water baptism, I would baptize people, and and they would come up out of our baptism, which was an old cow trough on the farm. It was a beer trough when I was in the fraternity house, and now it was my baptistry. And I would pull people up uh, out of the the baptism, and Linda was always standing there, and she would give them a towel whenever they got out of the baptistry. And she did it every time I baptized. She was there helping me with the towel, handing it to the people whenever they came out of the baptistry. And one day my wife asked her, Linda, tell me, why do you always serve in this ministry? Why do you always help in the baptistry? And she said, Jesse, you know my daughters, but you don't really know my son. She said, I've I've had a son that I've been praying for. Back then, it was 20 years. I've been praying for him to be born again for 20 years. And I believe as I come that my faith action is whenever I hand those people that towel whenever they come up out of their baptistry. That one day in the future, my boy is gonna get up out of that water and I'm gonna hand him the towel. I'll be the first person there. And just a few months ago, I'm telling you, we had a a water baptism where a ton of people got water baptized and all the saints were there. And it's my favorite days are baptism days. I don't know about you, but I like to see people get born again and their lives turned around. That's what we're about. Amen. And uh, Linda, Linda was there standing by me in the water baptistry. And I'll tell you, somebody came up out of the water and Linda held that towel and it was her son that had come after 30 years of believing God. Got water baptized, gave his life to Christ and Linda got to put that towel on that boy. And it was electric that day. I mean faith went through the roof. She shared her testimony and I'm telling you people that have been believing for people forever, I'm telling you you can get your miracle. Your son and your daughter can be born again. Your children can be taught of the Lord. They're going to live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. Somebody give God a hand clap. Do you believe God can do that? for you. He did it for Linda. He'll do it for you. He's no respecter of mankind. You know, uh, I was out preaching whenever her son got saved, and I had a, I had a guy that leads worship for me, and he was doing his first altar call. It's the first altar call he's ever done, and he got about halfway in the salvation message, and some guy ran down the altar and stood right here just looking at him. He hadn't even called him or any anything like that, and this guy's looking at him, and he's like, I'm here to get saved, and he's like, all right, you're in the right place, and that was Linda's son. Come on, God's power. It moves. It helps. It saves. It delivers. It delivers. See, the house of God is a source of blessing. It was a source of blessing to Linda's life. Linda was a source of blessing to the house of God. And the house of God in return was a source of blessing to her. You know, whenever God's trying to teach us something, he establishes principles often in the book of beginnings. You'll find something very early in Scripture. God lays a foundation for it. That's what Genesis is about. It's a book of foundations. And then these teachings or these understandings, they come up again and again and again. They come up throughout the rest of the Torah. They come up through the prophets. They come up through the Psalms and the wisdom literature. They come up in the New Testament, and God builds on that foundation. I want you to open up your Bibles this morning to Genesis chapter 28, Genesis chapter 28, and we're going to start reading in one moment in verse 10. Now I'm going to show you where Jacob encountered the house of God, where Jacob encountered the gate of heaven. Before we start reading, let me tell you a little bit about Jacob. If you were to meet a Jacob, you wouldn't meet a guy in one of your small group systems. He wouldn't be there. He wouldn't be hanging out in Sunday school. You probably wouldn't meet Jacob at the Christian coffee house. If you met Jacob, you might meet him at a pool hall on a Friday night setting up a hustle. You might meet him working an internet scam out of Nigeria trying to get somebody to send a thousand dollars so they can get a million dollars in the future. How many of you have ever gotten that email? You know what I'm talking about. You might have met Jacob working a senior citizen on the phone, working some kind of scam. You know, the name Jacob means this. And now let me apologize in advance if you have a child by the name of Jacob for explaining what the name means biblically, okay? The name Jacob in the Hebrew meant conman or supplanter. Everybody say con man. When you read about Jacob, you find somebody who's slick now. He's working an angle. You ever met somebody that, I've met people in the church, I'm telling you they have a world of potential. What they can do is, is unimaginable. They're gifted, they could sell ice to an Eskimo, but there's still just something about them. It's like, I just don't trust that guy. That's Jacob. And Jacob lived out of his ability to get what he wanted. He conned his brother out of his birthright. He stole his brother's blessing. That kind of lifestyle, you'll get away with it so long, but how many know there's always a day the things you've done will come back to roots in the future. Whatsoever a man sows, also will he reap. Somebody say amen to that. And Jacob pushed his brother too far, and his brother wants to kill him. Jacob flees for his life. That brings us to Genesis chapter 28, and verse 10, and it reads like this. It says this. It says, Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abram, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you And your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I'm with you and will keep you wherever you go. And will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done that I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his place and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. Everybody say the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Everybody say the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone. And he had put it at his head, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city had been Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow, Saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I'm going, give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house, and of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. So the con man is on the road. And he gets out there at night, and he gets tired, and the sun goes down. And if you're traveling through the wilderness there around Israel and that region out in the in the east, uh, there's a whole lot of places you could get yourself in trouble at night. And so Jacob knows he has to bed down. Now, Jacob has exhausted his options. He's running for his life because finally what he's sown, is he's starting to reap it. And, and he lays down. You know, God has a way of getting us in a position where we can really connect with him. And uh, he's a God that knows how to get you somewhere where you're going to become desperate to seek his presence and to find his place and to need help from him. Has anybody ever been there where it's like, man, I have nowhere else to turn but to God. And Jacob lays down out there and I don't even know that that he knew what he needed but he knew he needed something. And he took a stone and he put it up as a pillow. He didn't have enough money to go stay at a nice hotel. He was staying at one of the cheap motels on the side of the road. He has a rock for a pillow. He lays his head down on it and he dreams a dream. And in the dream he sees a ladder. It's going to heaven. The ladder's going to heaven and there's angels going up and down on the ladder. And at the top of the ladder, Jacob sees God himself. God gives him a word. He says, I'm the God of your grandfather, Abraham. I'm the God of your father, Isaac, and I'm going to be your God. And I'm going to bless you in the place where you're laying. It's going to become a land that I'll give to you and your descendants. They'll spread out throughout the earth and through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And Jacob woke up and he realized how awesome the place that he was laying in was. It was a place where he connected with God. God invaded his life. And he said, "How awesome is this place?" Come on, somebody say how awesome. Man, the house of God is an awesome place. It's a place of connection and a place of power and a place where God comes into our life and does something supernaturally on the the inside of us. Jacob set up that pillow, that rock as a monument, poured oil out on it, consecrated it, and said, God, of everything you give me, I'll surely give a tenth To you, That's an Old Testament picture of the house of God or the gate of heaven. Now we're here as New Testament people. Let me tell you where the house of God and the gate of heaven is today. The house of God and the gate of heaven today, you can find it written about in Matthew chapter 16 verse 18. Jesus said these words. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is the house of God. It is the gate of heaven. It's the place we connect to Him supernaturally, and He changes every area. Of our life, Listen, a, a lot of people, they'll say things like this. I don't know what God is doing on the earth today. I just want to find God's will. I want to know what God's doing. I can tell you what God's doing today in North City, Illinois. I can tell you what God's doing today in Owensboro, Kentucky. I can tell you what God's doing today in the Ukraine. I can tell you what God's doing today in Burma, in Africa, in Asia, in Japan. All over the world, he has one goal. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it come on somebody clap your hands if you believe it God the devil can't overcome the church you know I, I was I was pioneering the church that I pastor and I was in that broken down bar I was telling you about. And the bar that I started my church in, it had more character than you would care for. I just, I'm telling you, it had character. And uh, at times whenever the the worship band, they would come and practice at night and they would hit a certain key on the keyboard. Bats would come down out of the attic and they would swirl in the sanctuary. It's hard on first time guests whenever bats are swirling in the sanctuary. They don't come back next week. We We had bats. And then sometimes worship would start and people would start praising God and moving in the sanctuary and one day my, my father, he, he sat in one place in the room. He got he started coming to my church at the end of his life, got born again about seven years before he passed away. Isn't it great to know when your loved ones aren't just in your past but they're also in your future, Amen. And he was, he was sitting in the, normally in his seat, and all of a sudden we're up there, and I hear something loud hit the floor. And I think, man, the power of God's in the room so thick, people are just falling out in the seats right now, you know? But that wasn't what it was. A giant brick had fallen out of the ceiling, and it fell right on my dad's seat in the middle of worship. And so we had bats, we had bricks. You know, we had our, our, our love team, and they gave mints out at the door because nobody wants to shake your hand whenever your breath stinks. Somebody say amen to that. And so they they had a bucket of mints. And one morning they came in to get the mints ready and my church was right down from a big granary. And so we didn't just have rats down there. We had corn-fed rats, man. These rats were serious, and they walk into the church, and this rat is setting up. He's gotten into the mints, and he's eating the mints, and they're looking at him, and he's like, welcome to River City Church. I hope you enjoy your, your time today. Uh, I'm telling you, it was it was a mess, and we were a little bitty church, and we had a little bitty budget back then, and so I bought a little bitty banner, and we put it up over, over the door of the church. We had the banner up there, and uh, I was driving downtown one day to, to, to go to work, and then the city came up in front of my little bitty church banner that said River City Church and they hung this massive banner on a light pole that said Discover Downtown and the city's banner blocked out my banner and when I saw it, I was, I was angry, I was mad. You know, I didn't pray about it, I didn't confess, I didn't command it to be moved, I was just ticked off and I thought, man, I, I spent all the money we got, you know, I got this little bitty banner and now the city's blocked out my banner and I wish that that banner was gone. I pulled around to the back of the church, parked my truck Went walking into the church building, all of a sudden I heard a big crash out in front of the church building. A couple of guys that were there painting in the church, they came running to the back and they said, Pastor, you're never gonna believe what just happened out front. I said, what happened? They said, some dude in a U-Haul truck came barreling around the corner, ran up on the sidewalk out in front of the church, hit that light pole with that Discover Downtown banner on it and knocked it down flat. It wasn't 60 seconds later. What I wanted moved was moved out of my life. And that ain't happened many times, but come on, how many of y'all like that every time? Come on, somebody. I go, I go running out front, I stand over that, that light pole with that banner laying on it, and God spoke to me and he said, I'll move heaven and earth for River City Church. Here's what I believe. I believe God will move heaven and earth for gospel preaching, Bible teaching, spirit-filled churches. He's going to build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He's going to build Crossroads Church to another level in Jesus' mighty name. Why do I care so much about the church? Well, the church changed my life. I walked into a church in 1998. I came into it a meth addict, came into it an alcoholic, came into it a lost young kid that was killing himself, partying. And The grace of God, Jesus, came and met me in the house of God. And it washed me and it changed me. And I just looked up from that like a year later. And I was like, how awesome is this place? What's it done in my life? Whenever we come together, we're not just coming together for some religious duty. We're coming together because there's people that need a real connection with God. They're hurting, and they need the help of a loving Savior. You know, I want you to see what the church is or what Bethel is out of this text. The first thing I see that Bethel is or the church is, literally the house of God is, is the house of God is a place of the presence of God. Everybody say the presence of God. Man, I could sense the presence of God in worship today in here. We were worshiping the Lord and lifting our hands, and the the musicians and the psalmists and the singers were singing, and you guys were up here ministering and praying to people, and I could just sense the presence of God. And I don't know about you, but I love to be in God's presence. Man, God's presence is all the difference in the world. And I'll tell you, I I get to travel around the world and around the nation, and I'm in a lot of different kinds of churches, and there's something different about Spirit-filled churches In the worship, and in the word, and in the prayer. And I'm in a lot of churches, and they they have the same music, and they have the same lights, and they have the same media, but there's something missing in the air. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? It's the presence and the power of God. What creates that? It's a spirit-filled theology that creates that. Now, I have a spirit-filled theology in the church that I pastor. and Some people will come to my church and they'll say, Pastor, we love the music and we love the teaching and we love the environment, but we don't know about your spirit-filled stuff. We don't know about laying hands on the sick and prophecy and uh, uh, having a prayer language and things like that. And I always tell them all the time, you don't understand. What you like about the preaching and what you like about the worship, what you like about the word isn't there by itself. The thing that you don't know that you like is that which produces the thing that you know you like. That difference in the air comes from the power and the presence of the living God. God didn't create his church to live void of his presence. First time I really can remember coming in contact with with the presence of God. Told you a little bit about my testimony. Got an older brother, he got born again. He'd been a wild man and we'd party together for years. We, we were kind of running mates. And uh, he started going to a spirit-filled church, got saved, gave his life to Jesus, and he just started changing radically overnight. And he wouldn't do the things with me that he used to do. Now I did everything I could to get him back with me. How many of you know that your friends aren't always for you and your family isn't always for your new faith experience? somebody say amen to that I'd go over to his house at night and I'd bring a fifth of whiskey and an eight ball of cocaine and I'd try to get him to get high with me and get, try to get him to get drunk with me and then when that wouldn't work I'd make fun of his charismatic preacher, I would dance around and I would say can I get a witness and all kinds of things like that and the irony of God is that God took me and what I made fun of and he made me do it now for a living for about 15 years so be careful you make fun of somebody say amen you just might end up doing it but uh he wouldn't he wouldn't do the things that I wanted him to do anymore and I'd been out partying running hard for days and and hadn't slept and finally my brothers they came and got me one time and they put me in the back of my dad's car and they said man you're gonna kill yourself you got it you gotta you got to calm down. What you're going to do is you're going to go with us to Texas and, Dad, to Texas where we're selling cattle out there, and you're just going to chill, and we're going to watch you for a little bit. I said, I'm not going. They said, we're going to break your arm. And I said, okay, I'm going. So I got in the back, and I woke up in Amarillo, Texas. And my brother said, come on, go get cleaned up in this hotel. I'm going to take you to meet a preacher. He said, whenever you get in there and you meet this preacher, he's a great man of God. He'll probably be able to look in your eyes and look in your heart, and know what you've done right and wrong. And I'm like, thanks, Todd, you know. Now I'm scared to death. I don't even want to look at the guy. Todd was messing with me. He loved messing with me. And so I, I, I go in this house, and I was talking to this preacher, and he wasn't at all what I expected. As a matter of fact, he was nice to me. He was grace-filled to me. He didn't point out any of my problems. He just loved me and listened to me. You know, a lot of the world is scared to death that we're going to judge them the moment they show, out, show up. God didn't send Jesus into the world to judge the world. Come on, somebody. He sent him to redeem the world and to save the world. And this guy's being nice to me. I'm sitting on his couch. And, you know, Todd had told me this guy will know what I'm thinking and talking. And then he, he, he turned around and he grabbed this thing off a of hearth. And it looked kind of like a genie bottle. He had it in India from preaching in India. And he pulled the top off of it. And he said, you see the top of this, Brian? He says, this was like something that you would snort cocaine out of, doesn't it? And I'm like, my God, he knows. You know, I, won't, I wouldn't look in his eyes after that. And, um, but he's talking to me after that. And all of a sudden this presence came on me in the couch. And it was like grace, nobody prayed for me, nobody laid hands on me, but it's like grace came over me, peace came over me, joy came over me, like a substance came over me. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Man, I can start to feel it when you talk about it. You know when you talk about the presence of God, often the presence of God will manifest itself. It'll settle in on a crowd. And I walked out of the room that night and I sat down in my brother's car and he looked over at me and said, what do you think? And I said, man... There's something in that house, I don't know what it is, but I just i think it might be God. God started something in my life that night. I didn't get saved, I didn't get delivered, I didn't get changed that night, but it was a beginning. And what the presence of God can do in somebody's life is he can start a beginning of a whole new chapter. Come on, let's give God a hand clap for his presence at our church. Amen. Man, it's a place of the presence of God. Second thing it is, it's a place of the word of God. Everybody say the word of God. Man, Jacob has this dream. He looks up at the top of this ladder and God's standing at the ladder. And God gives him a word about his life. He says, I'm, I'm the God that led your father and your grandfather and I'm going to take you. I'm going to give you the land that you're on and I'm going to make you a great nation. You're going to spread out and I'm going to do incredible things through your life. God speaks this word to him. You know, whenever we come to the house of God, this is where the bread of life is broken. This is where the word of God comes to us. And it's a place that lifts our faith. It's a place that encourages us. It's a place that takes us to the next level in faith life. We go from faith to faith in here every Sunday. The house of God is the primary place the word of God is preached to you. And it's preached, we we get a lot by reading the word of God. I love to, uh, to, to read the word of God. But there's something about, a preacher or a teacher breaking the bread of life that's anointed by God and the grace of God is on them to do that, that that it feeds you supernaturally. How many of you would agree with me that we need the word of God in our life big time? And when we come to the house Man, I'm telling you, you have one of the finest Bible teachers in the nation right here in your pulpit every Sunday morning. I bring people in to preach at my church. They come from all over the world, and I have some guys that have preached in the biggest churches in the world and lead some of the larger churches in the world. And I'm telling you, your pastor's every bit a fine of a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ as any of those guys around the world, and I appreciate him. See, he's breaking the bread of life. He's bringing the word of God to you every Sunday. And he carries that. He thinks about it. It's a part of his life. Listen, we need the word. The word is what washes our life. You know, my life drastically changed when I came into the church. And I had a buddy I used to live with at, at a fraternity house out in Colorado. A couple of years after I got saved, I got married. And the guy, he, he comes uh, to my wedding, and he was in my, my wedding party. And he's there in the wedding party, and he says, Brian, listen. I've never seen a guy's life change as much as your life. I've never seen anything like it. And this guy got born again at the wedding. But he he was asking me, how did you get your life changed? And I said, it's simple. I just walked through the back doors of my church every time the doors were open. Sunday morning, Wednesday night, to small groups in men's ministry. And I just kept coming back and getting the Word of God. And listen, the Word of God comes and it washes our mind." We got to change the way we think. Somebody say amen to that. Man, there's some things you can fast, but you can't fast them out. You can cast, but you can't cast them out. The only way you're going to change some things in your life is you have to renew your mind with the word of the living God. And when I get my mind renewed, my life changes. God spoke to Jacob, and he said, here's what's going to happen. You're going to literally, you're going to literally have a new life, and this is the word I have for you. Now, I'm thankful for the house of God. The house of God is where I got my call and where I got my life mission. A word not just on how I should live came to my life but a word on what I should do came to my life I was sitting on the front row of a service like this and there was a prophetic guy that uh, that ministers down in Texas that he actually used to be John Osteen's youth minister uh, Joel's father and, and he came and I, I picked him up at the airport one morning and he I, it was my job to pick him up at the airport and bring him in I was hosting him as a speaker and I sat down in the car he sat down in the car and he looked over at me and he said you got up early this morning went to Walmart and you bought armor All. And I'm like, you're pretty good, you know? And I started looking for tickets and and stuff I'd bought to see if he was pulling a con on me because I don't trust anybody. Nobody gets Brian. I'm telling you, I was checking it out. And uh, there was nothing down there. I looked back over and he laughed out loud. He said, ooh, a prophet. And I'm like, my God, I can't look at this guy. I'm getting him to the hotel, get him out of my car. There's no telling what he knows that I've done now, you know? I was thinking like that. And I dropped him off. And I was sitting in a service that night, and this is an unwise way to pray, but I didn't know any better back then. I prayed, and I said this, I already felt like I was supposed to be a preacher, and I said, God, if you want me to be a preacher, have this man stop preaching now, and come down here and tell me that's what I'm supposed to do. And I prayed that, and all of a sudden, he looked up, closed his Bible, walked down from the pulpit pointed at me and he said, I like you preacher, the call of God is on your life. And then he started to prophesy to me for about six minutes. That was in 1998. I stand here some almost 17, 18 whatever, however many years later and God's fulfilled every word that that man of God spoke into my life. How did I get that encounter? I came to Bethel. I came to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you'll hang out in Bethel, it might not come that way to you, but I'm going to tell you the word of God will come and it'll direct your life. Let's give God a hand clap for his direction by his word in our life. Amen. It's a place of the word of God. The third thing Bethel is, is I believe that Bethel is a place of generational connection. It's a place of generational connection. We we connect with generations through the house of God. God spoke to uh, Jacob and he said this. He said, listen, Jacob, you're, you're, uh, I'm the God of your grandfather. I'm the God of your father. And I'm going to be your God. Now I'm telling you, whenever we raise our kids in the house of God, we raise our kids in Bethel. Our kids are different than the world's kids. There's a mark on our children's life that other children, they don't have it on their life. The Bible says that the angel of the Lord comes to those who will come to the altar of God and cry and sigh about the abominations of our generation. And whenever we become righteous people, I believe the angel of the Lord comes and he he marks us. And I believe your children are marked. That doesn't mean they're not gonna have to receive Jesus themselves and they're not going to have to come to faith by themselves. Nobody rides into heaven on the coattails of somebody else. Somebody say amen to that. But I I am saying this. I believe the the cards are stacked in our children's favor to be righteous men and women of God. The, The cards were stacked on Jacob's life. And when they're in this atmosphere, stuff is going into their heart. Even the kids that are causing trouble in the kids' ministry right now. Now, I know that's not your children. Look at your neighbor and say it's not your kids or grandkids. Just tell them that. But, but some of them are raising some cane somewhere in this church right now, I guarantee you. And, and, but here's the deal. Even though they're causing trouble right now, God is marking their lives. And I'm thankful I had a Christian mom, and she took me to Bethel. She took me to the house of God. And I was taken in there every day. It was open Sunday, Wednesday night, you name it. I went there. I rebelled against it as a teenager, but something happened in me. And I couldn't do the things my friends could do and feel good about it. I did them, but I didn't feel good about it. How many of you know what I'm talking about out there? Everybody else could do it, and it's like their hearts were dead about what we were doing. But on the inside, I'm like, I'm so going to hell for this, you know? And there was just this, different thing on my life. And I want that on my children's life. I believe that's on my sons and on my daughter's life. And I want them to be church people committed to Bethel. I look at them all the time and I say, listen, I don't care what God calls you to do. You might be a businessman. You might be a preacher. You might be a school teacher. You might be a stay-at-home mom. But no matter where God takes you, your responsibility is to build the church, pay for the church, pray for the church, fast for the church, and make sure the church grows in America. Come on, our kids are different than the world's kids. Somebody say amen to that. I, uh, I was talking to my little girl. It's funny what they pick up when you bring them to church. I have a 10-year-old daughter, and her 10th birthday was coming up not too long ago. And we were driving in the car, and she says, hey, Dad, I know what I want for my birthday. And I said, oh, that, that shocks me that you would know what you want for your birthday, you know? So I'm like, what, what do you want for your birthday? And she said, Dad, I want to go to Disney World for my birthday, and I'm like, oh, brother, you know, looking out the window, I'm like, Briley, for your birthday, you get a doll, maybe you get a cake, maybe you have a friend over. We don't go to Disney World every year for our birthday. You gotta have a measured expectation. She looks back up at me, she says, Dad, I'm gonna pray to Jesus. You might not take me to Disney World for my birthday, but Jesus is gonna take me to Disney World for my birthday, and so she starts to pray in the back, and her daddy's a preacher. She can put on the dog and pony show. She's praying like Kenneth Copeland in the back seat there, you know? She's claiming by faith. She's quoting Mark 11, 23 and 24, and she's believing she receives right now by faith. She takes it, and it's hers, and she prays this prayer, and I'm like, oh, brother, how am I gonna tell her that God's not answering her prayer, you know? She was spiritually manipulating me, but it worked, it worked, and and, uh, I'm telling you, 30 seconds later, My phone rings. I pick it up. It's a number from Orlando, Florida. I answer it. It's a preacher friend of mine down there. He said, Brian, I, I'm, I'm going out of town. I want, I want to see if you can come down here and preach for me. I said, what's the date? And he said, it's May 29th. Do you know when Briley's birthday is? It's May 30th. I turned around and I said, you'll never believe this. I told her she looked up grand ear to ear and she said, God loves me. Come on, somebody. Our kids are learning how to live out the faith life in Bethel in the house of God. Some of you are saying, man, Disney World doesn't matter, and I know that, but today it could be Disney World, tomorrow it could be a nation. Come on, somebody. They learn to believe step by step, bit by bit, little by little, God expands their heart. It's a place of generational blessing. The next thing the house of God is, is it's a place of consecration. Somebody say consecration. Man, he, he put a stone there to commemorate what God had done in his life. Pours oil on it, doesn't he? Showing that it's a holy place, it's a sacred place. Don't ever start to view the church of the Lord Jesus Christ as common, as just another building, as just another church. I've watched many people make this mistake. Now, I'm telling you, in in circles like ours, this is a spirit-filled church in circles like Protestant churches. Sometimes we don't have the reverence for the house of God that I believe we should have anymore. people have been offended, people have been mad, people get used to to just running off and saying whatever, doing whatever they want to do to the house of God. Man, the house of God and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is the bride of Christ. I don't ever want to speak evil of Jesus' bride. I can disagree, I can have a different opinion, but I never want to be divisive. Why? It's a holy place. Now, I've heard people say things like this. You know, I love Jesus. It's the church I have a problem with. And I would never say that out loud. I know the church has its, its bad side. I know the church has its idiosyncrasies. I know the church has its problems because there are people here. And how I many you know if it had to be a perfect church, neither one of us could come on Sunday morning. Somebody say amen to that. But seeing it through the right light and seeing it as something consecrated, See it as something holy. See it as something sacred. It puts you in a position to receive, doesn't it? it? puts you in a position to get God's best out of it. It's supernatural like that. The last thing I'll say, and I'll hurry through this, is the church is a place of honor. Everybody say honor. Man, honor is, is he said this. He said, God's moving in my life. God's doing something. Jacob says this. He says, he's going to clothe me. He's going to feed me. He's going to take me back to my father's house safely. He said, because he's doing all this for me, I'm going to break off a tenth of everything I get, and I'm going to give it to God. He said, I'm going to tithe. Jacob made a vow. It's called a Jacob's vow. I've made a Jacob's vow. My wife's made a Jacob's vow. All of my children, we've made a Jacob's vow that at least a tenth of everything we get, it goes to the house of the living God. So we're the people God so helped us, so blessed us, so moved on our lives that we want to honor him back for everything that he's done. How many of you are thankful for what God has done in your life? Let's give him a hand clap this morning. Man, he's the God of all grace. He's the God of mercy. I got saved in the house of God. I got delivered in the house of God. I got filled with the Spirit in the house of God. I found my wife in the house of God. I found my purpose in the, in the house of God. God gave me children and blessed my life and multiplied me. And I think all of that was connected to God's house. Now I'm telling you, Bethel will be a place of the power of God if you allow it and you'll see it in Jesus' mighty name. Would you stand up on your feet with me today? I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God would bless you. Now I want to pray that you would begin to see the church through the appropriate light. You know, people get they get hurt and they get um, disenfranchised with stuff in life. And it doesn't matter if it's if it's not a church, it'd be the club or it'd be well, whoever else you hang out with or somebody at work. Life has a way of throwing things at you like that. But I want to pray that you would get a fresh connection, a fresh love for the church. One of the early church fathers, he said this. He said, no man can call God his father unless he's willing to call the church his mother. And I just believe that. I believe there's a power here with us corporately together. It's the ecclesia. We're called out and we're assembled together by God. Man, we're not here by accident. You are not here by accident. You are here by the hand of God. Would you close your eyes with me for one moment? Now, I just want to pray a prayer for people that, that they're weary and they need a, a, a fresh look at what the house of God is in their life and a fresh connection and a fresh uh, a, a fresh touch with what the house of God is in the midst of their life. And they want to see it as a Bethel and not as an obligation, but as something that, that God's really poured out in the midst of their life to be a source of help for them. Man, I want to I pray for you. It's not that you were going to leave or you were going to do something weird or you're going to flake out on God. It's just there's been a weariness attached to it. And I believe that God's going to help you come through that. Come on, let's let's close our eyes for one second. I, I want people just to lift a hand to heaven. And I want to pray for you. Father, I pray a blessing now. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I thank you for a love for your house. Lord, we declare that we love your house. Better as one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. And I thank you now that the reality of the love of the house of God and the church of God, the the help of heaven, the ecclesia, let it come to us. And I pray that it would be a place of the presence for them and a place of the word for them and a place where the generations are united. It would be a, a, a place of honor and a place of consecration. Father, I pray that a fresh wind would come to them, that you would help and you would lift them supernaturally in Jesus' mighty name.